Hi, I'm back for Part B of the Chapter 14 Monetary Policy Lecture. We were about to start in on the third tool and most important tool of monetary policy, and that is open market operations, which we already mentioned earlier, but now we're going to go through it the second time, which is good, because we need to go through this. The open market operations uh, conducted and decided upon by the Open Market Committee Remember, the Federal Open Market Committee is made up of the seven Board of Governors plus the President of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York plus, on a rotating basis, four other Presidents of the regional Federal Reserve Banks. These folks meet every six weeks and decide on whether they want to drive the federal funds rate up or down. So first bullet point there, slide 22. The open market operations, the buying and selling of government bonds by the Fed to control bank reserves, the federal funds rate, and the money supply. Because if you're, you know, they're, they're all connected. If the Fed is driving the federal funds rate down by flooding the banking system with reserves, the banks are going to be all in and out these excess reserves that creates money. So a decrease in the federal funds rate is associated with an increase in the money supply. Open market purchases increase the money supply, tend to drive the federal funds rate down. Open market sells tend to drive the federal funds rate up and decrease the money supply. Second bullet point, for example, if the, federal, if the Federal Open Market Committee wants to increase the money supply, it gives a directive to the trading desk at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York to buy bonds, open market purchase. The Federal Reserve Bank of New York buys bonds, it writes checks on itself, it just creates this money out of nothing. It injects new reserves into the banks. Uh, and the increase in reserves results in an increase in money supply and a reduction in the federal fund rate. That's the great secret. That is the most important slide of the bunch in terms of understanding monetary policy. That's the primary means by which the Fed conducts, uh, changes the money supply and affects interest rates. Well, I think we'll skip this foreign exchange market uh, material. We may come back to it, but I, it, I all, all, all it notes here is that another activity the Federal Reserve gets involved in is buying and selling currencies in order to influence the exchange rate. But let's uh, let's just come back to that slide at the very end, because our next step is what we want to do. We want to connect money supply and money demand, or well, we want to connect money to the interest rate. When we were talking about the determinants of aggregate expenditures or aggregate demand some time ago, money didn't enter directly into that discussion. It's interest rates that affect aggregate expenditures. If you go back to chapter, what is it, chapter 10, and I'm going to go back to chapter 10. I'm looking on, what's chapter 9? You go back to chapter 9. What was chapter 10 about then? Can't remember. Oh, we skip chapter 10, don't we? Chapter 9. I'm looking at page 192. I see that investment, which is part of aggregate expenditures, part of aggregate demand, depends upon the interest rate. So our last connecting rod between what the Fed does and the aggregate supply, aggregate demand model 
is to connect money with the interest rate. I'll give you the conclusion, then we'll pick up the details. The Fed, when it increases the money supply, will has the tendency to drive interest rates down. And if interest rates go down, investment spending goes up. So the Fed, by manipulating the tools of monetary policy, primarily open market operations, can influence the money supply. That'll affect interest rates. The change in interest rates will affect investment spending, which is part of aggregate demand. That's what that's what well, how the Fed has some influence over our lives, over the real economy in terms of employment output. The Fed can affect aggregate demand because it it can influence interest rates, and interest rates affect, among other things, investment spending. Although it may affect, because interest rates affect the exchange rate, a change in interest rate may also affect net exports. Well, in order to connect changes in the money supply to changes in interest rates, we need to build the money demand money supply diagram, or money supply money demand. The interaction of money supply and money demand determine the interest rate. We know what determines money supply, the Fed. We need to know now just a little bit about money demand. Slide 24. Why do people hold money? Why do people demand money? Well, number one, they need to go out and buy things. They need to walk into Albertsons on any given day and buy some groceries. Uh, people also demand money, have a little bit of money in case for some unexpected uh, need to go out and purchase. People also may hold money for what is called the speculative reason. That is, uh, if they, you think other assets are going to go down in value, then you hold a lot of money. Say you have two choices, money or bonds. And if you think bonds are going to fall in prices, you, well, you'd rather hold your money. If uh, or Maybe you're choosing between bond, uh, money and stocks. And you think the stock market's going to go to pot, well, you'll hold money. Currency demand deposits, other checkable deposits don't yield a lot of interest, if any, but at the same time, they, their price doesn't go down. The price of a dollar is always a dollar. The price or cost of $100 in a checking account is $100. Stocks and bonds, their prices may go up and down. The price of money, by definition, doesn't change. Now, its real value may go down in terms of uh, changes in prices, but again, just think of this, a $100 checking account always and everywhere costs $100. Well, what we want to do is we want to, in slide 25, we're just going to think of money demand. It's, it's a function of two things. Money demand is a function of the interest rate and real output or real income. Same thing. Since we're going to draw money demand relative to the interest rate, we're holding everything holding everything else constant. That is, in slide 25, as we think about money demand as it relates to the interest rate, we're holding the other factor that affects money demand, that is income, our real GDP, constant. So if you hold everything else remain the same, you just focus on the effect of the interest rate on money demand, we have an inverse relationship between how much money people want to hold or demand and the interest rate. The idea is fairly simple. Let's say that you're choosing again between two assets, bonds, which pay interest, and money, which doesn't. Money's nice because it's liquid and you can go buy groceries. Bonds are nice because they pay interest. But if the interest rate were zero on bonds, then there'd be no reason to hold bonds. Money would be the most desirable asset. 
So very low interest rates, there's a lot of demand for money because there's no advantage to holding bonds. But at very high interest rates, you want to conserve on how much money you hold because you want to get your wealth into a bond which yields interest. The money, uh, the interest rate is the opportunity cost of holding money. So as the opportunity cost of holding money declines, that is interest rates fall, you hold more money. As the opportunity cost of holding money rises, you hold less money. Now the other variable that affects money, as I mentioned, is the income. We'll use the symbol Y in slide 26 to represent income. As income changes, that is, as the size of our economy grows, if income goes up, for example, from Y0 to Y1, we're assuming Y1 is greater than Y0 in slide 26, money demand will shift to the right. And our economy is always growing. There are more of us, and incomes rise. So over time, there's an increase in the need or the demand for money in the U.S. economy to finance all these transactions. There's more money demanded, for example, in California than in Utah because there are just more people and there's more income. Money's needed to finance all the transactions, and transactions depend upon income. The larger the economy, the more transactions, the more money that's needed to finance all these transactions. So a change in income or real GDP affects money demand. An increase in income, money demand shifts right. A decrease in income or real GDP and money demand shifts left. Now superimpose on that, well, we'll do it one at a time. In slide 27, we just show the money supply curve. And as we've drawn it as a vertical line with interest rate on the horizontal axis, what, well, let me say that again. If with interest rates on the vertical axis, we have the money supply curve as a simple vertical line, which demonstrates that money supply is independent of the interest rate. Money demand is inversely related to the interest rate. Money demand is, again, inversely related to the interest rate. Money supply is independent of the interest rate. It's just determined by the Fed. Now, as we stare at slide 27, what I want you to think about, think of slide 27, but at the same time, go back and look at slide 19. In 19, go to slide 19, it shows us the three tools of monetary policy. Graphically, these are the three methods of shifting the money supply curve. So now go back, slide 19, 27. Think, for each of those three tools, what it would take specifically to shift the money supply curve to the right. What would it take in terms of reserve requirement? Increase or decrease? Think to yourself. Increase or decrease? Which would create excess reserves and allow the banking system to create money and shift the, graphically the money supply curve to the right? An increase or decrease in the reserve requirement? I'm here, to I'm here to tell you it would be a decrease. A decrease in the reserve requirement would shift the money supply curve in figure 27 to the right. Now go back to slide 19 and ask yourself, in terms of the discount rate, what would it take to shift the money supply curve to the right? Would it be an increase or decrease in the discount rate? I'm here to tell you it would be a decrease in the discount rate would shift the money supply curve to the right. Now go back to slide 19 and look, ask yourself, what would it, takes in what would it take in terms of open market operations to increase the money supply? Open market purchase, that is the Fed going out and buying government securities, or an open market sell, 
the government, or excuse me, the Federal Reserve selling government securities. Which would it take to increase the money supply? That is shifted to the right. Going back to slide 27. The answer is open market purchase. Would shift the money supply curve right. It would take an open market sell to shift it to the left. Well, going to slide 28, if you superimpose the money demand curve on top of the money supply, the interaction of the two determine the interest rate. So the interaction of money supply and money demand determine the interest rate. So just stare at slide 28. It's pretty simple, really. If the money supply goes up, which way does interest rates go? Graph. Well, where would the new equilibrium interest rate be if that money supply curve we see in slide 28 shifted to the right? there was an open market purchase, increase the money supply, interest rates would have the tendency to go down. So open market purchases drive interest rates down, open market sales drive interest rates up. Lowering the discount rate would shift the money supply curve right, tend to drive interest rates down. An open market, excuse me, an increase in the discount rate, an increase in the discount rate would shift the money supply curve to the left, driving interest rates up. So I want you to think in terms of the tools of monetary policy, what the effect would be on interest rates. Then all we have to do is slide 29 is connect a change in the interest rate. Excuse me, connect yeah, connect a change in the interest rate to effect on aggregate demand. And that's what the three diagrams do on slide 29. A change in the money supply. In this instance, we have in slide 29 an increase in the money supply is going to drive interest rate down. And there's an inverse. That middle diagram just shows us that there's an inverse relationship between the interest rate and investment, and that'll increase aggregate demand. So what goes on in the money supply, what goes on with money supply, ultimately has an effect on aggregate demand, and thereby output in the price level. And that's, that's pretty much the end of the story. The Fed, if, it, if you look at these diagrams, you can see what we concluded earlier with our equation of exchange. If the Fed just keeps trying to increase the money supply at a very rapid rate, that has a tendency to do what in terms of the price level? Go up, up, up. And if the aggregate supply curve gets vertical, as it is at full employment, rapid increase in the money supply would just cause inflation. But if we're below full employment, that is in a section of the aggregate supply curve that's that uh, has some slope up to it, a change in the money supply, a corresponding change in the interest rate will have some effect on output as well. Well, I think that's that will complete our story for the day. Bye-bye.